And so, in looking at Psalm 19 tonight, we're only gonna. This is only part one. Next week will be part two. Part two next week will be the last half, or our last few verses, and also drive home more of the application. Okay. So today we're gonna look at Psalm 19, only the first nine verses. Uh, point number one is what? Appreciate God's revelation in the world. Okay. That's found in verses one through six. Okay. Verses one through what? Six. Six. Okay. Then second part is appreciate God's revelation in the Word. That is in the scriptures, in the Bible. This is in verses 7 through 9, okay? 7 through 9, okay? Just some introductory matters, okay? Uh, who wrote Psalm 19? Do you guys know? David. David. The reason why I know this is above our English verse 1, it says what? For the choir director, a psalm of David, okay? Go ahead, observation. Above the part where it says, for the choir director, mine has a title of the works of the word of God. Yeah, the works and the Word of God. By the way, that's not part of Scripture. That's uh, the translator looking at it and then giving you a summary description of that chapter. Okay? So here uh, we see... Uh, by the way, when we were in seminary, we were actually required not to have that part. I know it's so particular because uh, they want us just to come to our own conclusion of each chapter um, with that. Okay? So um, with that, we look... By the way, actually for seminary, uh, for those that do PhD in the Bible, they're required, one of the tests is they pull any random chapter of the Bible and they have to explain what was going on in that chapter. Like they say, oh, what is going on in Genesis 29? Or I think the hardest part is the prophets, um, right? What's Jeremiah 22 about or 21 or 19? And then they have to put in contextual flow and then sum you know, summarize what's going on, okay? So let's go back on. In God's Word and World here, okay? Uh, Psalm uh, so it's written by David, okay? Really, you could divide this into two parts, about the Word and the world, okay? Actually, looking at this, the first six verses is focusing the name of God, uh, changes. It goes from El, which means in general God, to in verses 7 to 14, you see seven times the word Yahweh, which is God's personal name, okay? Uh, covenantal name, okay? The other changes, like we said earlier, the focus one is about the world, verses 1 to 6, and the second one is about the word, Okay? Uh, the length of lines also changes, okay? Verses 1 to 6 is longer, but verses 7 to 14 is shorter. But I also think just because it's shorter doesn't mean there's, uh, it's somehow more simpler. I would actually say it's more compact. Each word is very loaded, okay? In, for instance, the different words used to describe God's word, each one uh, conveys certain nuances and shade of meaning and aspect and perspective of God's word. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so the application or illustration changes, okay? The illustration in verses 4 to 6 is that of the son. But then in verses 11 to 14, it's focusing on the servant, okay? Also, Psalm 18 and 19, they connect, okay? Uh, if you guys remember last time, we haven't looked at Psalm 18 for a long time, okay? Because of my overseas trip. But Psalms 18, if we remember, we ended, we talked about the Messiah, uh, verses 15. Do you remember the word, His anointed? In verses 50 of Psalm 18. And I mentioned before that when we looked at Psalms, the Psalms have these interesting things. Whenever it talks, some Psalms, when it talks about God's Word, right next to it, it's talking about the Messiah. Mm. Okay? Psalms 19 is about what? God's what? Word, yes? yes. Next to it is Psalm 18, which is a Messianic Psalm. Okay? Mm. Psalm two, 1, is it about God's Word? Is yes. God's Word mentioned? Yeah. Yes. Blessed are those who what? Meditate. Yeah, meditate His Word who are connected. Okay? Right. And where's the Messianic Psalm next to Psalm 1? Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Obviously, there's no Psalm 0, right? There's Psalm 2, which is about the Messiah, okay? Psalm 119. Is it about the Messiah? Uh, no, correction. Psalm 19 is about God's Word. Yeah, the biggest, longest chapter is about God's Word. Where's the Messianic Psalm next to it? Psalm 118. 
The oh. second most quoted uh, Old Testament prophecy in the New Testament is actually Psalm 118. The most is Psalm 110. Okay, Psalm 110 about the uh, uh, the order of Melchizedek, that the Messiah will be priest and king. Okay, so in light of this, we see there's connection. Okay, there's a theme of blameless and perfect. So by the way, the more I look at the Psalms, the more I really believe there's actually. Uh, when I first read the Psalms, you guys ever have this? Like you think they're just arranged like whatever, like it's just organized, disorganized, put together. Like there's no rhyme or reason. But I actually think the more I look at it, I think there is. A structure with that uh, It's hard to always discern the structure But as I think we grow older As I grow older It's like wow There's actually a pretty interesting connection Okay um, Blameless and perfect is a theme Okay Psalms 19.7 Where Nancy mentioned earlier About uh, it's perfect Right Converting a soul That's also the same thing In Psalm 18 Mentioned a lot of times you Remember last time We talked about uh, The word uh, perfect Meaning blameless Okay There's also the theme Of the Lord is rock If you remember Psalm 18 begins with what? The Lord is my what? Rock, okay, my salvation. Then, if you look at the end of Psalms 19, it's almost as if it's these are supposed to be doublets. They're mm-hmm. next to each other. The end of Psalm 19 is what? Ends of O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Redeemer with the theme again of salvation. Okay, so it's almost like it ends and closes together. Should seen as pairs, as doublets, on the theme of God as what? Rock and doublet. Uh, uh, correction and redeemer. That means God is helps us in trials and also in general when we look at God's word and world, it testify that God is our rock and our redeemer. Does that make sense? Okay. So in light of this, let's go to point number one. Point number one: We must appreciate God's revelation in the world. Okay. This is in verses one to six. Okay. Verses one to six. Just you guys can answer me. What part of God's creation does it talk a lot about? You guys remember when we read earlier? What part of God's creation does it talk a lot about? What happened, Nancy? The heavens. The heavens, okay? That is the skies, okay? Um, In fact, I like how verses 1 is stated, okay? The first phrase is the heavens, okay? Uh, In Hebrew, the last closing phrase is actually their expanse. That is the skies also as well. And in between are the description. So I think there's a Hebrew poetry. Remember like a burger? So later tonight, when we go eat the Habit burger, right? You remember a burger? What's in the middle? Of a bird, the meat, the meat, and then the top and bottom is what the bread, the bread, right? Oh. And so, it's, oh man, I'm just hungry. Think about it, okay, <laughs> like the key um, yeah, the chiasm, or like a double double sometimes. Right? It's just yeah, like, yeah. oh man, in between <laughs> things. Okay, so in light of this, we see, um, <laughs> yeah, I know, uh, heaven and the skies testify to God's creator. Okay, look with me in verses one. There's synonymous lines. Okay, uh, synonymous. In one part, it's called the heavens. The other part is called their expanse. Okay. By the way, the word heaven doesn't always refer to what we think of heaven, where angels live. There's actually three levels, so to speak. Uh, the heaven sometimes could just refer to the what? Sky. Okay. So you might say, well, how do I see heaven telling about me about God? I don't see heaven. It's sometimes referring just basically the sky uh, that we see above and then the atmosphere above that. And then the ultimate one is having what we think about where the angel and heavenly angelic beings live at, okay? So here, verses 1, uh, it also talks about what the heavens are telling of what? What does it tell us in verses 1? Look at verse 1. Tell us, what does the skies tell us about? In your own words? The work of His hands. The works of His hands? Good, and what else? Is it important? The glory of God, okay? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the word glory. The glory actually means weight. In Hebrew, kabod actually means weight. Okay. Weight? Yeah. You mean the word W-A-K, weight? Like how much you weight. 
Wei. Uh, I'm getting tongue twisted. All puns and like everything. Like okay. W E. I G H T, yeah. Like when you step on a weight and you find out oh, how much you weigh. Oh, how I much you pounds. meant like a weight. Yeah, no, no, not, not that one, okay? Oh. So it means weight. Now, I think sometimes we don't miss that because I know in our culture today, in American culture, we kind of emphasize more on what? Losing weight, true or not? Mm-hmm. Everyone's goal is about losing weight, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every New Year's resolution is that. But I remember uh, my mom, growing up, you guys know my mom is from Laos. A lot of people tell me I lost a lot of weight. Okay, yeah, so going back on, in Laos, uh, my mom, uh, my mom was telling me, like, when I, growing up as a little kid, my mom was also always saying, like, wow, you know, this uh, standard of beauty in America is very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, for in, There, it's like to be as what? Here, America is try to be as what? Tan oh, as yeah, possible. But then there, it's like, it's to be as pale. And, uh-huh. to, you know, like, wow. in terms of Laotian beauty pageant, I've never seen it online or anything <laughs> like that. But according to my wife, uh, my wife, my mom, it's about how big you can be. Oh, right, really? Like the size So that's a little bit Because why? Everyone is skinny And dark is normal Because why? Any farm girl right. Is going to be what Dark and right. skinny is right? <laughs> So that was like different It's like huh That's kind of interesting So in light of this Weight is glorious Right? Think about like a man That is uh, well to do You know he, he is one That is eating food often So in light of this So sometimes you can see Someone that's what? In certain parts of the world Right? You go to the third world Sometimes you can tell Someone's important Because what? They look older and they have some more what? Yeah. Way to them. Oh, okay. He's a businessman or he's like a government official. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe the closest example I could think of is like in Chinese culture, right? Um, you think of what's the president's name in China right now? Li Yeah. Like he has that look, right? There's a certain look he has, right? Like that. Fortunately, we're in the States. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell me so. This will, I have to have to edit this out. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So going back on with that is there's that look, right? Where it's like a, of like dignity. Biz- he looks like mm. a I don't know with that. Okay. So in light of this, you see weight brings glory. Okay. Mm. So same way God is said, the heavens declare the weight mm. of God in the mm. sense of importance. Not that God is weighty because God has no what, no body. Okay. But in the sense of what glory, in a sense of importance and being impressed. Okay. Mm. The skies also declares the works of his hands. And I think the works of his hand here, we often think right away of power, but I also think it's the aspect of what? Precision and care. Mm. You guys ever look at certain handicrafts, certain art pieces, certain things you buy, and then you look at the way they make it, you're like, wow, that's actually very skillful. Yeah. So God skillfully makes the world when you look around us, okay? It is amazing, okay? So verses 1, uh, that's what it says. About the skies, but look at verse two. Verse two mentioned when God's creation testify about God as Creator. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, when does it show His glory? When does it show His weightiness? When does it show the handiwork of His? When does it happen? Verses two describes here what day to day and what night to night. Okay, by the way, day and night does that capture the whole part of the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Is in other words, what it's saying is God showing. Around all of creation, all the skies showing His glory. It does not stop and never stop, right? It uses two extreme words. Day and one opposite and is what? Night, okay? So day and night, it pours forth glory. And not just one day, it says day to day and night to night, okay? It does not stop. The skies testify to God as creators described here as revealed knowledge, okay? Uh, In verses... To some of your version, uh, the way traditionally I think most versions say is pour forth out. 
Does any of your versions say pour forth uh, speech? The yeah. NASB does? Anyone? Uh, Mr. Byrne, you're using NASB? Right. Okay. NASB. Anyone use any other version here tonight? ESV? NKJV, Nancy? Yeah. Go ahead. Other speech? And reveals knowledge, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good, okay. So the word here for pour forth out, I love this word. It's actually the idea of bubbling up, okay? Or bubbling out. Mm-hmm. Think of more of a spring, a water, right? You guys ever seen a hot spring? Right? Or, or a spring, it's pouring forth what? Water. Yes. Refreshing water. So that's mm-hmm. what it's picturing. Is the imagery of things oozing out, is pouring out. That there's mm-hmm. all over. That is coming out and you can't stop it. Okay, is with that. Mm-hmm. So when does God testify to His grace? When a correction? When does it te- creation testify uh, to the fact that God has made everything? He's Creator. Every day. Every day. Every, every moment. Okay, that means no one is without excuse. Mm-hmm. This is why in Romans one later it'll say that no one is without excuse. Mm-hmm. Every one of us should know there's a God. But then you might say, and I've actually had this before when I was evangelizing, and I mentioned Psalm 19 because the guy had a, used to have a Christian background, Romans 1. He says, that can't be true. What about the blind person, right? What about if I close my eyes and say, I'm not going to look at God's creation? Well, even the very own eyelids that cover your eyes are what? Are God's creation, okay? With that. So we see here. Uh, then the next question is, where does it pour forth out? Is it only an area that is Christian land? Or area that has more cultural Christians that God has revealed Himself? No. Look with me in verses 3 to 4. Verses 3 to 4, let's read this again. It says, You have tried my... Oh, whoops, wrong song. Verses 3 says, There is no speech, nor there are words. Their voice is not heard. Verse 4, Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the ends of the earth. In them He places uh, a, a tent for the sun, which actually the last part we'll look at later together with verse 5 and 6. But here it makes it clear that if God's revelation around us is like a speech, it actually doesn't speak to us like verbally. You don't hear the sun say, hey, God, God exists. But yet there's a sense to still communicate with us, okay? Notice the word in verses 4, it says the word lines. Uh, the word here for line actually refers to like you write down lines, mm-hmm. like lines of poetry, mm-hmm. lines of words, right? Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this line here is referring to that. Like uh, propositions line, okay? And here it shows what? Verses 3 to 4, that everywhere it is revealed, okay? Everywhere, okay? Uh, so, does God reveal Himself in California? Yes. Okay. It, does God creation reveal Himself in Canada? Yes. When you go to, was it Finland? Uh, both of you guys went to Finland? When you guys go there to see the skies of, what do you call those? Uh, the Northern Lights. The Northern Lights, what do you call it? Oh, okay. Does that testify that yes. there is a God? Yes, okay. Yes. What about if you go down all the way to, I don't know. Antarctica. Antarctica. Does it reveal God? Yes. What about in China? What yes. about in Timbuktu, Africa? Yes. yes, it reveals what? God, everywhere, okay. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, everywhere. Mm-hmm. So now let's look at, from verses 4, the last half, to verses 6. It now gives a sample. It focuses on an example of this revelation, specifically the sun. Uh, S-U-N. Okay? Sun. Okay? So let me read this. In them, he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices a strong man to run his course. It rises, rising is from one end of the heaven and the circuit to the 
other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Okay, I love this description. I just want to ask you guys, uh, in verses 4, does all your version, what does your version say? Some versions say chamber, when it says, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Does all your versions say chamber? I'm just curious. Yeah, mine says chamber. Okay. All of us now, I think, is NASB, right? You're using NASB? This one, I don't know. Okay, NASB, okay. Okay. Uh, I'm using NIV. Okay. So here we see, uh, here with that, okay? Um... Uh, chamber, okay? Uh, this Hebrew word is actually chupa. I'm just curious. I don't know. Sometimes I'm amazed, you know, how much people might know of things. Oh, no, actually, that sounds wrong. But in a sense, like, sometimes people do know cultural stuff in other cultures. Um, anyone here knows what a chupa is? Anyone ever been to a Jewish wedding? Maybe a friend? Mm -hmm. I know Maybe Ben's macabre. roommates or something, UCLA, because there's a lot of Jewish guys there okay so for jewish weddings they would often have you know where the bride and groom stand and there's like a pastor or in the jews would be a rabbi officiating above the ceremony there's actually a tent like mm -hmm. not a real tent but it's kind of like an overhead covering mm -hmm. okay an overhead covering that's actually called a chupa okay mm -hmm. or hoopa. i can't pronounce things it's one of those it's kind of like arabic it's one of those <laughs> word i cannot pronounce okay mm -hmm. uh do you guys ever have this like i feel like when i had a hard time taking arabic when i was at um, you know, I was like, whatever, and then I get so upset. I was like, <laughs> it's just like, one spin. They're like, yeah, you got it, you did it, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So let's go back on. And with this, the word here actually refers to the wedding ceremony, okay? Because if you look at verses five, look again, it's a bridegroom coming out of his what? Not chamber, but getting ready to leave the wedding ceremony. Let me ask you guys a question Weddings, are they sometimes pretty long? Yeah, Can yeah, they be pretty long? A lot of culture it takes a while. I remember right. um, one country I visited, there was one morning, uh, I woke up, hotel room, hearing that, oh, the next door neighbor, they're having a wedding. That was early in the morning, like at five, you hear them getting ready, okay? Then I came back really late at night. Then I went to have dinner, then I went to go to sleep. And what did I hear? There's still a wedding going on, okay? At 10 p.m., okay? So, but at the same time, could you imagine people getting married? Are they, do you think the husband's ready to, for everyone to go away? Not, not go away, is ready to be over. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, the Bible is pretty real with certain things here, okay? Here it says, you, the son is like a bridegroom. He's ready to leave what? The wedding. And how fast is he ready to leave the wedding? He can't wait to get in the car where they design it and cover it up with just Mary. Mm. Does that make sense? He's ready to be with his bride. Mm. Okay? This is the description of saying the sun is like that. God has put a tent over the sun as if it's a wedding ceremony. Mm. And the sun, just like the uh, um, bridegroom, he's ready after he's getting married. He's ready to leave. Okay? He's like, I love my mom and dad. I love everybody. But I'm ready to be with my spouse. We'll keep it G for godliness. Okay? But you get that point. And he says, the sun is like this. And it's compared to also like a strong man ready to run its course. Like the sun here is compared to, say it's going to be rising, verses 6, from one end of the earth uh, of the heavens and it circuits the other end of them. And there's nothing hidden from it. See, in other words, saying the sun is eager to what? Go around the earth. Mm. Just as the sun goes around everywhere, do you guys realize it gives us heat? You guys realize that? You could be in a house that's all covered and you don't see any sunlight at all. But what happens? Do you still experience the blessing of the sun? Yeah. The heat, okay? 
In fact, we even have a parable. I think modern atheists are maybe like a parable of someone that says, I'm going to deny any revelation of the sun. So then he decided to build a big, a big house and have servants and say, I'm never going to, I don't need the sun. All I need is myself. But then when he's about to, uh, when he wakes up in the morning, the first thing he does is what? His servants ready to serve him what? Mm. Breakfast, right? And his breakfast, he looks down at his breakfast. What does he have? What do you guys have for breakfast? Sunny side up. Sunny side up, okay. And what else? Any veggies? Cereal. Cereal, okay. Maybe he eats cabbage, okay. Maybe he eats cabbage, okay. But think about it. He says all this, ah, oh, I don't need the sun. But where does that cabbage come from? Sun. Outside. Photosynthesis, right? Need the sun. And all the cereal is grown from the sun. Yeah, with all of that, right? And he says, then the meat. What does the cow eat? Grass. Grass, right? All what of that, okay? What does the sheep eat? Yeah, so all of this needs the sun, right? And even this house built out of big, strong wood is made from what? Things that are contingent upon the sun. Does that make sense? That's like the way the atheists are. They could deny it, but in practicality, the more they deny it, when you look carefully, the more they need the sun. And here it says, there is nothing hidden from its heat. Summarizing verse 6, just as the sun's heat is felt on earth as it circles the world, likewise is God's testimony as creator. Okay? So as application... Are you amazed at God's creation? When was the last time you look around God's creation and you were amazed? When was the last time? Okay. As that second application question is, have you looked up at the skies, space, stars, and celestial bodies and got captured by God's amazing glory? Right? One of the things I love about homeschooling my kids is I feel like I'm a little kid again. As I'm teaching them, okay, oh, state requirement, you need to teach solar system. Then as we're going to solar system, it's like, whoa, there's actually a picture of Pluto now. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. You know, now we might say it's no longer a planet, but then just this last week, I, I think there was someone from NASA's that says, director of NASA says, I think we should have it as a planet again, mm-hmm. or something like that, okay? So it goes back and forth, okay? What's mm-hmm. that? Um, then we find all those uh, dwarf planets now. Right. We discover there's so many other dwarf I planets. Pluto counts as a dwarf planet. Yeah. So it's like not like a planet planet, but it's like a subplanet. Yeah, a dwarf planet, yeah. And there's many other ones that we found also mm-hmm. as well, the dwarf planets, right? And even pictures of it. Uh, and that's pretty amazing. Looking at all of this, and it's like, wow, the wonders of what? Of God, God okay? Yeah. Uh, I look at, while well, I was teaching the girls last year, we, we, that looking at Jupiter, it's like, wow, that spot, that, what do you call that? That big, huge red storm. Spot, right? Yeah, the red spot. Just the thinking spot it grows that... and bigger, and four Earth could fit in it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Four Earth that, and yeah. three Earth yeah. there. Wow. I know you know. Josh, I remember at UCLA when you guys were doing a small group on God's creation. And I think you were the most excited one to be there <laughs> with that. Let's go back on uh, with that. Uh, so we see the beauty and the majesty. But study creation and astronomy and see the majesty of God and how amazing what God is. Okay. If you lose that, be around little kids. Okay. For whatever reason, little kids remember everything about planets and dinosaurs. Right. All those dinosaurs you can't pronounce. For whatever reason, kids kind of pronounce them. It's like, mm. it's like no, pterodactyls. Like, oh, oh, you know, mm. to me it's like pediatrician. That's what, that's what it looks like, okay? Mm. But th- that's what it is, okay? So in light of this, study that. Don't lose the awe of God's what? Mm. Creation, yeah, okay? Amen. So let's go to the second point. Appreciate God's revelation in the Word. Oh my, we're running out of time, okay? This is in verses 7 to 9, okay? We see in verses 7 to 9, characteristics of God's Word described in verses 7 to 9. 
Okay, the first characteristics is actually brings about conversion or salvation. Verses seven. Could I have a volunteer read out loud verses seven? So catch a break. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring souls. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and good. Okay, good. Two characteristics is described in verse seven. The first one characteristic of God's word is actually brings about, I would say, conversion or salvation. Now. First, to begin with, why I would say that, because some people would say, oh, why would you say it's about salvation? It doesn't look like about conversion and salvation. Let's begin looking at the verse carefully. The first part says the law of the Lord. Literally, the law is Torah. You guys know what Torah? When you hear the word Torah, what do you guys normally think about? The first five books, okay? Uh, Torah refers not just law, but doctrines, teaching, and also instruction, okay? But also, uh, the verb describing it is restoring. In, when it talks about restoring the soul, I think the word restoring is actually talking about salvation. Okay, now in, in a lot of English version, it translates that as restoring. But I love the New King James and the King James. New King James, Nancy, does it say converting the soul? Yes. Okay, yes. I think that's a better word of saying being regenerate, being born again, uh, coming to salvation. Okay, uh, with that. So whenever you evangelize and someone's like, oh, I don't believe in God's word, or I don't believe in God. Well, and they, or they say, what will make me believe in God? What do you guys think is the most powerful thing to lead to people to come to God? It is the Word of God. Okay? I remember as a little kid, the first time I ever went to church, it wasn't really church, like physically I was there. I didn't go on Sunday. Was When I was four or five years old, uh, basically these guys come knocking on our doors. And they had a whole bunch of balloons. And they're all these kids and they were wearing all the same t-shirts with a little picture of a koala. And they asked my parents, oh, we have a camp, a day camp. Uh, sign up right now. If you do, you get a balloon. And I was just happy about the balloon. And I didn't know what I was signing up for. It was actually a church VBS. Okay? Mm. Um, went over there. I don't remember anything other than the story of David and Goliath because they had a little kid play David. And then they had a really tall girl pretend to be Goliath standing on a table. And then they acted out. And then when she died, the little boy was, uh, got a uh, thing and then started cutting, uh, you know, her, like, you know, start hitting her, and everyone started laughing. That's all my only memory, and I didn't even know what that story was about until mm. later on, okay? But the one thing that did good was they gave me a Bible, like a full Bible, 66 books, just a regular adult Bible, or just regular Bible, not even kid's Bible. That was four or five. Ten years later, when I got expelled from school, I had nothing to do What I started doing. I had nothing to do at home. This is before there was smartphones and people were online all the time. I started reading things around the house. And I started reading the Bible. And that led to my salvation with that. And I looked up the address of that church. And, then, and I said, like, oh, I called them up. I said, like, oh, oh, well, interesting. There's someone I went to my high school that goes there. Then I called her up and said, um, tell me more about the gospel and all of that, okay? So, or not gospel. That's like Christianese, reading back. But, you know, tell me about God, okay? So let's go back on. You see its characteristics of bring about salvation. Second characteristics, it gives wisdom. Did you see the second half of verse 7? The testimony let me make correction. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Okay? The word testimony here refers to warning and things that are written on tablets. Think about the Ten Commandments, okay? We could look at that and we say it's silly, whatever else. But those are warnings for us not to sin, okay? Right. Not to sin, okay? And we see God's word is able to make the simple wise, because it warns us, okay? One of the things I think, you know, I th you know, there's that Bible passage that says, even if a fool, yes. if he keeps his mouth silent, 
people could think he is what? Wise. Wise, okay? But do you know when, and I actually feel, this is for ministry, I actually think he could, the, the, surefire, the surefire way to tell someone's foolish is sometimes it's not when they're not sure, because sometimes wise people could not be sure about something, right? Um, they, they're trying to figure it out. But I think the surefire way is when they what? They think they're what? They don't need to listen at all. Mm. And because they think they're so much smarter than everyone else. Mm. Okay? Uh, my wife and I were just, uh, uh, you know, we were ministering. And I was telling my wife, this is someone that used to go to our church, not at our church anymore, um, ministering. And this person was saying, oh, you know what? Um, I have this conflict with my parents. Um, they don't wash their hands. And they wash everything, uh, they touch everything, plates are dirty. And I want to commit suicide because of that. Mm. I was like, oh, that's kind of dramatic. Uh, then they were asking solution. And they said, Jimmy, you don't, no one has given me any good solution to help out. And I says, oh, wow. But then I also, you know, pride at first. I said, oh, I'm going to be the first one. But then I realized, whoa, wait a minute. If everyone else hasn't given good advice, right. very likely right. I'm not going to give right. good advice. Mm-hmm. Then it says, how about this advice? How about you do the dishes? You wash the dishes. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to do the dishes because you know what? Um... My hands are very dry. Oh, okay, well, why don't you ask your parents to go buy a glove or buy a glove yourself? Oh, well, no, it's not that. Um, you know what? It's because uh, I eat different time than them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sleep in late because I'm depressed, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, I eat later. So, oh, that's even better. They're all done, and then you wash their dishes for them. Oh, no, I can't do that. And then, and then everything is just, uh, it will not work anyway because they're going to still touch it. And I was like, well, well, if they're still going to touch it, at least it's more cleaner than before when it was not clean by them. Well, you know what? I'm just going to be sucking it up that it's hard for me. You know, not, not all of that. Uh, you know, I'm going to take the risk that it's gonna, I'm going to be dr- dirty and I might die. And I was like, wow. Now, looking at this, would you guys say there's something wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? What's going on here? Just a cheap excuse. Cheap excuse. Okay. And that, then that person went to say, you see, you can't give any good advice. And I thought, okay, well, I guess I can't. You know, I never, there was never a sign that says I would give good advice. Mm. But clearly, you have a bigger problem right. than dirty dishes elsewhere. Okay? So in light of this, I'm bringing up this, this, that sometimes that's foolishness. But if you listen to God's word, I think it does give us wisdom. Oh, yeah. Okay? Then I asked the person, and eventually I want to make it spiritual. I asked the person, I said, where are you with the things of God? Well, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I just only want to make sure that I want my parents to wash their hands uh, when they do the dishes for me. Then I realized, you know what? If you don't desire to listen to God's word at all, then guess what? If you don't think God is wise for your situation, because Jesus Christ can't understand the situation, then who are we? Who is anyone else to give wisdom? Right? And then eventually I got blocked. Okay? But that's what the reality is here. In light of all this, is we need to see the wisdom that's needed. Third characteristics, give joy to the heart. Any of us like joy? Having joy? Sure. Okay. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Okay. That's the first line. Okay. Precepts here has the idea of pointed. That is words that God has appointed. Okay. So any, you guys realize, hold this up here. Say, the word of God. Word of God. Word of God. Right? From Genesis to Revelation. Every one of these words is picked by who? God. God, intentionally. So that means all of God's word that's appointed, He picked these words specifically for us. Notice, it. what does it do when you read it? it you rejoice in your heart, okay? Yeah. But this is also based upon that God's word is right, okay? 
By the way, if you look at the second line of verses 8, what does it say? Uh, second line, Josh, could you read that for me real quick? Lord, uh, right? Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, lightning dies. Yeah, I like how verses nine, uh, 8, the first part, precepts, mm. singular or plural? Plural. Plural, more than one. But now it says commandment, singular. I think it's summarizing all of God's law. Okay. Mm. If you look here, it says the eyes is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now, for a long time, when I look at this verse, I thought enlightening eyes mean what? Helping you see things properly, like darkness with that. But I actually think the better understanding of enlightening the eyes means giving you pleasure, okay? Mm. Put your pinky or thumb here and turn with me to 1 Samuel 14.29, okay? While we're turning here is I want to show you that enlightening the eyes, I think the better way to interpret it is not giving you wisdom, like we often think, oh, people's eyes are open, you're awake, you're awoke. But the idea is more of pleasure, okay? Mm. 1 Samuel 4.29. Uh, ben Chung, would you be able to read? So 4.29? 14. Uh, 14, sorry. 14. 1 Samuel 14.29. We'll read this and then we'll explain the context and all that. First uh, Samuel fourteen twenty nine. Then Jonathan said, "My father has troubled the land. See now how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey." Yeah, I picked this because uh, apparently Ben has liked honey from a particular country. Okay, so I lo- I love honey too. Okay, verses twenty nine. The context was if you remember, Saul was not necessarily a very wise king. He made a law that for soldiers fighting they cannot eat. Jonathan, his son, apparently did not hear about this, okay? So in verses 29, he eats of honey that he saw, okay? And then his soldiers were grumbling, like, saying, what are you doing? And then he says this words afterward. He says, oh, my father's troubled the land. And then he says, see how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little bit of honey, right? Do you see this? There's a sense of he's getting joy from reading what? God's word, okay? Um, for me, God's word is like honey and like tea and coffee rolled into one. Mm-hmm. There's been times where I study in the middle of the night, particularly Thursday and Friday night, where it's like, wow, there's so many awesome things mm-hmm. that I end up staying up, what, writing down all these notes and realizing, whoa, it's already five. Mm-hmm. The sun is slowly rising. Mm-hmm. I need to go to sleep. I could still keep going, but if I don't go to sleep, I'm really going to be messed up later with my little kids mm-hmm. at 8.30 or 9.00 jump on all over me, okay? Hopefully 8.30, right? But here we see, in all, a light of all of this, I think this is the beauty and the majesty mm-hmm. of God's Word. It gives you genuine joy. You guys realize, a lot of times, people, what they seek joy is really like salt water, right? For example, if you're in the middle of the ocean and you decide to drink salt water, is that going to really alleviate your thirst? No. Or is it going to cause more problem, right? Yeah, but the only thing problem. that will satisfy is God. People mm-hmm. pick everything else, sometimes good things, but good things they put above God and God's word. And yet, guess what? That will never satisfy. Okay? Fourth characteristics, God's word is true and righteous. We're summarizing real quick now. The fear of the Lord in verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. Okay? So it's right and it is true. Okay? So as application, do you appreciate God's word? Yes. Okay. Do you love God's word? Yes. Okay. If we love God's word, uh, certain things should follow, right? That means you go to God's word for wisdom, okay? Yeah. When was the last time you were trying to solve something and you went to try to look for God's word to solve things in your life? When was the last time? Some of us might say, oh, well, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, reading First Samuel, 
reading through, let's just say, the book of Ruth. But you know where one book you could always read and it's already right away applicable to your life? Not necessarily addressing the heart, like doctrines and all of that. It's Proverbs, right? Yes. Proverbs is very practical, okay? Yes. Do you go to God's Word uh, with that, okay? Uh, for wisdom. Secondly, do you go to God's Word for joy? Do you read it because you have to? Because, oh, Jimmy Lee's going to ask me, oh, did I read mm-hmm. anything, okay? Mm-hmm. Or do you generally read it for joy, okay? Uh, I read it for joy, okay? The joy um, of reading, okay? By the way, I think it's a good goal to make your life every day you should read something, okay? A little bit at a time, okay? Um, For the last few years, uh, my goal uh, has been to read a book a a week. Um, This year is probably the least amount of books I read because my books that I've read recently has been really, really heavy. But I I feel like after you read 100 books, I actually think... And I'm not just only talking about spiritual books, even history, nonfiction stuff. After a hundred books, I actually feel you're I'm a different person. So read a hundred books, and you're a different person. But of all the different books to read, and Mr. Burnett knows a big reader too. Which book is the most awesome book of them all? That when you read it, you're always like, "Whoa, I didn't even see that before." The most awesome book of all is the Bible, right? The Word of God. If you need a reading plan, you know who's a good person to have a reading plan. Now, he'll email it to you, and he'll remember to email you, unlike me, who will forget, is Mr. Burn. Right? Yeah. With all the reading plans, okay? Read the Word of God, okay? Read the Word of God, right? Be around those people who read the Word of God. Read the Word of God for yourself. There's tools, there's places for that, but never take it that tools are, the, uh, it becomes bigger than the Word of God True. itself, okay? Read the Word of God. Do you believe also God's Word is true and righteous? You yes. need to believe it because yes. God's word says so, okay? Yes. Don't be those where because God's word contradicts your life, you say, you know what? That's the past. Or that's just easy for you to say, Jimmy, because blah, 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 blah. But my situation is different. My parents are different, right? So guess what? Read the word of God, okay? Amen. Not a Christian? Go to God's word. That's actually the means God brings people salvation. And by the way, that means also as well when we evangelize, we need to share things from the Word of God mm-hmm. and truth from, based upon the Word of God. Okay? If this is the means to bring about people's salvation, could you imagine if you're a doctor or a surgeon, you have all your tools, and then suddenly the patient says, Oh, I don't believe it. Does that mean then the doctor throws it away? All no. his expensive equipment? No. no. No, right? Could you imagine if you tell a dentist, I don't believe in, in, you're just out to make money. You're out to get my money, right? Mm-hmm. The whole industry is out to get your money. I don't believe it at all. And then the dentist says, Oh, you're right. You know what? Let me throw away the thing that drills your teeth. Let me throw away, I don't know, all these other things, right? Is that what you do? No. No, right? But knowing how precious, how valuable it is, you, you say, no, I still believe it. And I'm still going to do it, no matter what you believe. If you're a patient still, you know, you're, you're still willing to go do that, right? Because why? That's a means. The tool for bringing salvation here with us is the Word of God. Okay. Next week we're going to talk more about it. That if God's word is these characteristics true, what does that mean for our lives? Next week we're going to see multiple points of what does it mean for our life. Okay. What does it mean? How does it change our life practically and change even our way we pray and talk to God? Okay.